gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. Helps it on to Tyrone Mings and Konza! Esri Konza strikes gold for Aston Villa! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Gather Around the Land podcast. I'm Mark Jarobi. Sadly, Mr. Regan Foy is on transfer duty with the window about to close here in the next few hours. We are doing it on deadline day, so if there's any news that comes out between the end of this and maybe something else, I'll be sure to add to that later on. But yet again, I'm Mark Jarobi. You can find me at VillamarkPGH on Twitter. And today it's just me and the always ever-present, fantastic Mr. Andy Bates. Hi, Mark. Nice to nice to be back. Shame we're shame we're missing Regan tonight, but we'll uh, we'll crack on and uh, you know got loads loads of great stuff to talk about tonight. So uh, fantastic stuff. Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. We're, all, we're obviously going to talk about the 7-2 win against Liverpool, but along with the Liverpool match, we're going to talk about the international break, where Aston Villa go from here, and much more. So gather around. I'm ready to get into it. We might as well just jump right into it. Now, it was within four minutes, Dean Smith's men were 1-0 up against Liverpool. Absolutely elated. I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, Adrian played a poor pass under pressure to Ollie Watkins with his weak foot. Jack Grealish capitalized on it, pulling Joe Gomez out of position before scoring the ball to Watkins, who scored his first goal of the Premier League season. It was a signal to come for, for Liverpool. They didn't know it at this at this time, but uh, were, were you surprised to see such a pedestrian play at the back from Liverpool? Were you expecting Aston Villa to get off to such a flyer? No, I was incredibly surprised. It, it was it was really, really poor. Um, you know, having just watched the uh, the United Spurs game before as well, there was some, some shocking defending in that, and I, I, I certainly didn't expect anything like that from Liverpool. Um I was just really, really pleased to obviously kind of get get that lead so early on. It's kind of like gave us a bit of a cushion, um, settled the nerves a little bit. Um, but yeah, very well taken finish by by Watkins. He didn't have an awful lot to do, but um, yeah, very surprised. Not possibly not the sort of thing that would have happened with if Allison had been in goal. But 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 there we go and you, you you take those uh take those errors and make the most of them when they happen yeah i, I was right there with you man like i i watched a, i've watched a lot of liverpool cuz like i said it before on the podcast a, a lot of my friends have supported liverpool for a while even before Klopp's come in the door some of them more recently but um yeah I, they don't play like that you know that you don't really get to see that from uh, liverpool especially not under jurgen klopp who's always throughout his career made sure that his defense was very organized very staunch they know what they're doing back there but yeah that that was that was definitely something else to see, man. I, I, but I, I will agree with you. Maybe if Allison's in goal, you know that doesn't happen. They're they're a bit more settled in the back. Maybe you know just the the communication. So, but hey, man, I'll, I'll take it either which way with one nil up. But um, yeah, Barkley, Ross Barkley, which we'll get on to later. We didn't get a chance to talk about Ross Barkley in the the previous podcast. He came in between episodes, but uh, he had an opportunity to grab his uh, debut goal for Villa and put him up two nil. Uh, just three minutes later, Jack Grealish drew defenders towards him in the box before nutmegging Virgil Van Dyke. There is a beautiful gif on Twitter right now of him, him not Megan Van Dyke. I could watch that thing all day, and it's like a 13-second clip. But uh, Barkley found the ball and squandered his shot, slicing it wide of the post from around 10 yards. He looked pretty comfortable playing as a number 10 of sorts on his debut. At least I, I felt so. That's definitely promising signs for Villa. Uh, a few minutes later, there's a heart-and-mouth moment as uh, Martinez played a poor pass to Mings. It resulted in Firmino picking up the loose ball, but Liverpool had a few opportunities to fire toward the goal. Uh, scramble ensued, and Villa were able to get the ball away. Martinez denied Firmino at the near post just minutes later. I gotta say, man, Emmy Martinez is looking like the real deal, Andy. And I, like, I'm, I'm trying not to be so excited about it because we all know how keepers can gain form, lose form. But how, how impressed have you been with Martinez so far? Yeah, he just looks very, very assured, doesn't he? And 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 when he is called upon, um, he's he's just he's just very confident confident goalkeeper um he's made one or two i mean the, back to the fulham game you know the, the the goal that was disallowed that was a little bit surprising I, f- I felt but um he just looks very very confident and 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 yeah i mean distribution and everything is 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 on point so 
so far so good you know three games three wins for him a couple of clean sheets I'm yeah very happy with him what what what, what you're making of him so far Mark I, I'm really pleased man and like I, I have a little saying about about athletes um, amongst the, a bunch of different sports you, you can tell when they're locked in I call it laser eyes and and so far Emmy's always looked like he has laser eyes like coming out of the tunnel for the game even when there's just like play at the back you can kind of see it as the camera pans like he's just locked in and yet you know you're gonna have breaks throughout a game where it seems like you might not have anything to do as, as a keeper but if you actually like look at Martinez even when the ball's like moving away from him he's still like like he's watching a tennis match it's just back and forth and back and forth his eyes are always on the ball it could be 40 yards away from him. he's still looking at the ball he's, he's not switching off he's not you know fumbling around around his area or anything like that but I mean I'm, I'm pleased with him I think he's Aston Villa's keeper for a long time. I hate saying that because I I like Tom Heaton so much. And, of course, I'm always going to have fond memories of Jed Steer. But as far as this this match went, I I couldn't be happier for him, even with the goals that he might have conceded. It was just – he definitely made some some saves exactly when we needed him. Um, I have to apologize. First off, my voice might seem a little hoarse, but this, what we're about to talk about is the reason why my voice is so hoarse. So uh, Ollie Watkins found a way to bag a brace in the 22nd minute as he linked well with Grealish down the left before racing into the box and cutting inside, pulling the ball into a strong foot and firing a top right corner of the net past Adrian. Man, I tell you, Andy, I absolutely burst when this went in, man. I, I was not expecting it. it. It looked like something completely just otherworldly to see Jack Grealish make that cut in and Ollie Watkins... He, he absolutely, I mean, I, it, it's no knock on Joe Gomez. We we know he had a tough night. I do believe he's a very decent defender. But, man, Jackie Grealish played him like an accordion, man. He didn't know which way to go as he cut in on the right. But, um, you know, what is, is this a signal? Like, are we seeing the signal of a start of a relationship between Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins? And how massive is that for Aston Villa's season going forward? Well, I think after the game, I watched the interview with with Grealish, and and he was saying how him and him and Watkins, obviously, they've not been playing together very long, but they they're talking all the time. They they're, they're working each other out in training, um, and and Jack has said this before that he he likes to link up well with his with his striker, um, and I mean that's that's something we've we've seen down the years from from Benteke to. You know, Codger to Wesley, you know, he's and Tammy obviously, he's, he's always had that strong relationship with his number nine. And um, he's he's just he once he's on a wavelength with someone, I think it's just very difficult to, to stop him. I, I think I think he becomes it becomes so fluid. Um, and obviously, with him playing that that just that bit further up the pitch, um. You know, people say he plays on the left. He plays he plays from the left more, doesn't he? And and kind of cuts cuts in. He's 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 more central than than we we think really. But he's he's um it just looks like a a partnership that's only going to go one way because that they're both young dynamic footballers that are, that have started working really well off each other. And I'm I'm just very very excited. Um, to see how, exactly how many goals they can they can create between themselves. Um, it, it, I mean, Watkins is just looking like a like a, a no brainer type signing now. What, what, what do you think of him so far? I, I like him so far, and it, like the thing to me is. Um... I concentrate on strikers a lot off the ball when they don't have the ball in them. I know you got to have the ball at your feet and around you to score goals, and that's what strikers are supposed to do. But I'm kind of one of those old souls a little bit when it comes to football. I like to see how they approach running through the channels or how they beat their man or if they're making the run back to kind of you know make a make a tackle from behind. I noticed on two or three instances last night, we saw that with Ollie Watkins as well. He wasn't only um, dedicated to getting forward and trying to beat the, the high line of, of Liverpool's defense. He was also coming back to help help out with the midfield areas. Um, it's actually a little bit, if you actually look at how Liverpool's played over the past uh, couple years now, that's actually a very Bobby Firmino thing to do, is to kind of just track back and try to help them out a little bit or t- try to break up triangles. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I saw that from Ollie last night, and I don't know if it was Dean Smith kind of serving up a little bit of Jurgen Klopp's own medicine to him, but I hope to see that more going forward because it, it seemed like the midfield areas of Liverpool really didn't know how to deal with with a with back pressure of a, of a collapsing striker. So I'm over the moon for him. I'm great. That, um, I'm very grateful that he he had this kind of game to get him off the mark. Um, 
Yeah, but back into the game, uh, Mo Salah, sadly, I mean, this, this is literally, at, at this moment in time, for me, I was just cleaning up a spilled beer off the floor because I went so crazy <laughs> about, about the Ollie Watkins second goal. But Mo Salah pulls back a goal in the 33rd minute as Douglas Luiz finds himself out of position with Hada able to uh, press into the Aston Villa box. Ford eventually falls into the path of Mo Salah, and we know what Mo Salah can do. If he's going to get that kind of opportunity, he's definitely not going to ruin his chances. Um, do you think this was maybe kind of a moment that it was starting to turn in Liverpool's favor or you know we, we all know even even previously especially last season when Liverpool were to go down they always find a way to kind of get their stuff together quickly and, and peg back were you worried this might have been the case as, as Villa was only up 2-1 at this point yeah definitely I think that you always expect um you know a team of Liverpool standards to have a have a, spe- a long spell in the match where they 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 kind of take the game away from from the opposition, um, and being that they were two 0 down already, you kind of think, well, is this the moment now? They're gonna, you know, nick another one before half time, and then sort of pull away after the break, as 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 they do. You know, they, when they get in their stride, they they are an unstoppable unstoppable force, really. Um, but I mean, I, I was just. I don't know. I was quite happy that we were we were still two one up, and I, I'd seen enough from the obviously the the chances we'd created to score the goals, but also the couple of Barkley chances and as well. And we had been, you know, getting on the front foot and getting at their defence. You know, I was I was I was annoyed that they, we'd let them back in, and it did seem like they were building a bit of momentum. But I didn't feel necessarily like. You know, I just thought let's get to half time now, and and you know, and 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 block them out second half. You know, and, and it might be back to the wall. Um, there was still seemed so long to go in the match, but there is all there's that worry, isn't there, when you've got those, you know, the quality of Liverpool um, getting the tails up, pulling the goal back. Um, I'm guessing you were you were perhaps on the edge of your seat when that when that goal went in. Yeah, I, th- I think the word that you used was annoyed, and I, I think that's a pretty accurate representation of how I was feeling because just like you, I felt that Villa were doing the things in the right areas of the pitch. They didn't seem like they were very intimidated by Liverpool coming to, coming to Villa Park, and that's a big thing. I think you have to have that attitude. You have to have that switched on of, hey, we're not going to be intimidated on our own patch. Um, you know, But shortly after this solid goal, Ross Barkley forced Adrian into a save with his feet almost immediately after he beat uh, Liverpool's offside trap the Evertonian new boy at Villa Park took the corner which was headed out by Gomez and landed at the feet of Super John McGinn who hit it first time with his left now the ball would actually bounce off uh, Virgil van Dijk's legs and probably flummox Adrian who was rooted to the spot but it was 3-1 in Villa's favor the ball went in no VAR check nothing like that it was only 35 minutes gone in the first half now on the last episode I said it was going to be a wild game and I did feel that I actually made the prediction it was going to be 3-3 but I would have never thought it was going to be 3-1 in Villa's favor with 35 minutes to go um, but that wouldn't be even the last goal of the half. Aston Villa would then score a fourth as uh, Ross Barkley took a deep free kick into the Liverpool box, which landed the feet of Trezeguet at the near post, who played a perfect cross into the path of Ollie Watkins, who headed right into the net for a perfect hat trick, left foot, right foot, head. Undoubtedly, this was Ollie Watkins' day, and it just seemed like everyone else was merely living in it. Has Aston Villa finally found their main striker for the foreseeable future? I know we just talked about him, but like, you know, we're still talking about some supporters are talking about getting a depth striker and things like that. I mean, as long as Ollie Watkins stays healthy, or should we be worried about it or have we found our main man after a while I think he is the main man I think that's always been the intention really and there have obviously been a few rumours about about another striker maybe coming in um, we've been linked with one or two um, you know, very expensive strikers really um, but I, I, I do feel Dean Smith said earlier in when we signed Ollie Watkins that you know he was his number one target and you don't bring in your number one target and then replace him a few weeks later, do you? Um, so I, I, I do feel, and I, th- I think just getting, even just getting one goal last night would have been a, a great fillip for him to, 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 you know, bed down in the, in the team. But I think obviously getting the hat trick and that that fourth goal, I have to say that's probably my favourite one of the night, um, and the reason for that is. Just as the camera sort of panned to the free kick takers, there was, a, you know, as Barkley standing over the ball and Grealish just whispered something to him. It's almost sort of telling him, you know, give it a go, give it a go. So it was obviously something they'd they'd looked at, you know, 
the, the Liverpool sort of very, very high line defending the free kick and just whip it in round the back. And I mean, it was a perfect ball. Um, but it was almost like Grealish said, look look how they're lined up. Go on, just, just have a go. And, you know, picked out Trezeguet and uh, yeah, it's just everything just worked really well. But it was obviously something that they'd they thought about before and, and I like it when you see those, those kind of things come off a little bit like the, the concert goal against Sheffield United, you know, obviously something they'd worked on and it was, you know, it's just beautiful to see it sort of nestle in the net and 4-1, it's it's dreamland, isn't it? Uh, absolute dreamland. I mean, I, honestly for me, like I, you know, it's it's a it's a really old saying, but like you got to pinch yourself to get back to life. Like I, I almost felt like I needed someone to come from behind me and like give me a little tug on the shoulder and be like, "You're not dreaming, young man. This is actually <laughs> happening." Aston Villa are actually yeah. up with a, a you know a four one lead on Jurgen Klopp's men going into the halftime. Um, you know, I even noticed just from my little corner of the world that like Villa Twitter was a fine, fine place to be during this halftime interval. I don't know if I've ever seen it more fine to be honest with you. Maybe. Maybe the the final at Wembley to get us promoted. Maybe it, it was a little bit better, but for me, this is this is top of the tops, man. Like I, I I was just so elated. It was so cool to see so many people I know and talk to on a semi constant basis to be in just such fine spirits. Um, but I I don't know. We, we still maybe a little little bit nervous that the Klopp was going to break out. Of, you know the the double fisted hair dryers and 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 try and try to try to get his team awake. Or you know did did you think this was pretty much in hand at four one? Of course, I know. I th- I th- it never is, is it? Half time. Um, I mean, Liverpool are more than capable of scoring three or four goals in 40, 45 minutes. So, yeah, I, I suppose at this point, you're still waiting for Liverpool, like you say, to wake up and, and have a go, really. Um, you know, I have to say, I wasn't. I wasn't on Twitter at half time. I was. I was more interested in uh, in watching Graham Souness, um, looking like he was chewing a wasp. Uh, half time moaning about <laughs> moaning about the length of the grass and that sort of thing. It, it was fu- it was it was very entertaining, um, but I, I uh, no, I, I, you're never quite comfortable, are you? And you know that they just get a one or two, af- you know, in the first five minutes after the break, and we, we we're up against it again. But again, it's that disbelief. How are, how are Aston Villa beating Liverpool four one at half time? How is that happening? That's that's that, that's crazy. And um, I didn't say earlier, but I actually missed the second goal because um, I was I was I was getting my chicken wings and chips out of the oven. Um, <laughs> I heard the goal go in and near the room, and I thought uh, that's that's typical. So I was running around trying to see the goal, and you were obviously throwing beer around at that point as well. So you know, it's um, it's just it's it was just. You know, a phenomenal half of football. You know, really, really impressive. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great first half, and it, it, I think it'll be one that not only for myself and, and speaking for you, but also Villa fans all over the world. They're they're going to remember this game. Let's be honest. This is going to yeah, be a game that we're going to look back. You know, and you're going to look back and say, "Hey, you know, we we did this. No one can take it away from us. It's in the history books now. You know, none of us were dreaming. There's video evidence. In case you woke up this morning just to check that it wasn't some kind of dream, or may, maybe yeah. your, your spouse might have you know, put a little something in your tea before the game, or anything like that. It was real. It happened. We should all be very happy about it. Um, as, as soon as the the second or the second half starts, there was a change. I believe Minamino came on the pitch. Um, so obviously Jurgen Klopp saw something where he was trying to get, maybe, he was trying to maybe stretch the pitch a little bit. I believe it was, I think it was Nabi Keita that went off for, for Minamino. So obviously he saw something and wanted to kind of switch things up a little bit. But um, Ross Barkley, who had probably had two or three chances to, to score a goal of his own in the first half, uh, he definitely wouldn't let it go to waste. Uh, Ten minutes into the second half, the midfielder struck from outside the box with his left foot. Now again, you know, there was a little bit of, little bit of luck involved. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's boot provided a necessary deflection, would put the ball in the top right corner of the net outside of Adrian's reach for Villa's fifth of the night. I didn't see this one coming. I thought Ross was going to have a, a good debut as we were seeing, but I didn't think he was really going to find the back of the net. Um, again, we're going get to on, get on the Mr. Barkley a little bit while here because we, we haven't talked about him bedding into the squad, what we're looking for and things like that, but I mean, this was a top-notch goal, Andy. This 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 wasn't one to really you know shy away from either. No, it was. It was I mean, I always like it when a, when a player has a has a dip, has a go. Um, it, it obviously, I mean, it was there was fortune to it, wasn't there? It, it took a deflection, which probably took it away from the keeper. Um, 
but it was a nice little move between him and Jack, and and that was certainly something we we'd seen in the first half as well. You know that that they seem to be on the same wavelength. Occasionally, you get you get players who have of of a certain quality who who maybe take a bit of time to to establish their role around each other, I suppose. But they seem to just you know just dovetail immediately um, in the in the first half, and 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 again. For this goal, a couple of passes back and forth, and he's he's just had a go, and you know you, you know if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win, do you? So he's 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 had a go, and it's it's a good hit. It might have gone in anyway, I don't know, but it certainly got a got a fortunate deflection and, and took it in. But I'll take them all day long, Mark. I really will. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, man. I I love when a when an onrushing midfielder has the the presence of mind and the confidence to take a shot and some it doesn't come off all the time and I'm not saying that every time you're anywhere, you know, around the 18 you sh- you should have a shot, but if you see daylight, I have always loved players to try that out. I mean, like like you've seen deflections that happen in this game alone. You just never really know when it can happen. But you know, pretty pretty soon after this goal, Mo Salah, the original you know Egyptian king, grabbed his grabbed the second of the of the night on the hour mark. There was some really lackadaisical defending in the midfield. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it, but I'm not one to you know try to criticize this Villa team either. But um, it was shortly after that Mo Salah goal. I mean that that would make it four two. It's going to be tough to keep track of these goals. Let me tell you what, Andy. So it's four two four two at this point. Mo Salah grabs his brace on the night, but then Aston Villa were, were definitely getting the rub of the green in the game, and it was evident to see all across the world. Jack Grealish found the ball on the left before cutting under the under the right and firing. Ball bounced off Abino's of chest. It looked like it hurt him too, man. It was a this was a hard shot. Um, and it went right right into Adrian who who was rooted, you know, and that that's six past Liverpool. Um, you know, you just talk talked about it, the old cliche of you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I mean, it definitely has a new example if anyone wants to look back on this football game. But this lazy, lazy approach to block, and I kind of want to talk about this, it was, it was very lazy from Liverpool on how they were blocking shots. Um, you know, they, they really pride themselves on this. They, they do throw bodies on the line to block shots out. But at the end of the day, you make your own breaks in the Premier League. Did, did you really... Did, were you shocked by the by the lackadaisical defending on Liverpool in terms of blocking, or do you think maybe Villa found a way to get a couple four leaf clovers on the pitch of Villa Park? Well, yeah, I mean they're, they're probably obviously there was a, there was an element of luck um, with with a couple of the goals, but you, you're absolutely right. The, the Liverpool defence just seemed disinterested at times. I think is 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 a word I'd use. Um, that they were they were convinced that this high line was was going to pay dividends throughout the game. Obviously, the, the manager didn't even try and change it. They were they they were just shambolic, and they were, they just seemed no no interest or desire to defend the ball at all. Um, whereas on the other side, I think that on occasions when when Liverpool were in the in the Villa penalty area. You know there were plenty of guys throwing their bodies on the line um, to keep the ball out of the net. It wasn't uh, the second goal, Liverpool goal was was perhaps a bit um, a bit weak. But other than that, I, you know there were a couple of times where they were you know there were Villa players desperate to get to that ball and, and get it away, and I just didn't see that from Liverpool. And you've you've got to be proud to defend, and and I've always held Van Dyke in that in that kind of esteem that he's he's proud to keep the ball out of the net you know that's that's his you know that's his his mission in the in that team and he just didn't look him and Gomez just look way off it um absolutely yeah I I can I completely agree and like I said I, I've watched enough Liverpool forced into it not by choice before anybody messages me <laughs> on Twitter saying I knew you were a closet Liverpool fan it, that's just that's just the team that a lot of people gravitated to over here in the states you know with the, with the ownership and whatnot but for for me with I, I'm gonna take the goals any way you can get them I'm sure there might have been a four-leaf clover somewhere around you know Villa Park and I'm okay with that but again it was just very strange to see for me to see a team that really prides themselves in the defensive aspect of the game just be so lackadaisical I'm just like you I, I look at Virgil van Dijk as being a bit of a brick wall back there um, not in terms of his movement obviously we know the guy can get around the pitch fairly well but just in terms of keeping the ball than that he always seems to want to put himself on the line he's always pointing around he's always shouting at somebody in a positive way I like 
like that from Virgil van Dyke. I do think he's a, a really good center back. It goes without saying. It, it's a popular opinion throughout the footballing world. I just think that him and Joe Gomez picked the one the one night to. I, I don't want to say they took the game off, and I'm not saying I'm not criticizing their their determination you know the professional footballers at the end of the day they wouldn't be in the job if they didn't deeply deeply care about the game of football but I just I, I'll be honest I'm really happy that they both decide to have pretty crap games on the same game and it just should happen to come up against Aston Villa I, I'm going to take a little bit of happiness about that it might be a little cheeky but I'm happy they saved it for Villa now you know this, this makes it 6-2 you know with the goal but it was only seven minutes later Jack Grealish finds himself in goal all alone after an absolutely beautiful pass from John McGinn I mean and it's it's the second or third time we've seen an absolutely wonderful wonderful assist from John McGinn now but he offered you know gives it to Jackie and then Jackie has a chip shot that comes off Adrian and Adrian tried but really at the end of the day he couldn't really do anything but palming into his net and you know that wasn't even all at 7-2 Watkins could have made it eight on the night for Villa but it wasn't meant to be the game would in fact end 7-2 shocking Liverpool shocking the Premier League and shocking the world but now we can get down to it now that we made it through all that and all those wonderful wonderful things that has happened as a whole what did you make of this game and maybe does this fantastic result set a standard of sorts for Dean Smith and his players yeah definitely there's there's no question this this has to be part of something bigger now it can't just be a, a an anomaly or a one-off um albeit you know it's it's three wins out of three which is which is astonishing in itself um but this has to be a a, a new standard this can't be we can't be looking back in a couple of months time thinking where did it go wrong after after that Liverpool result um, and this is where maybe the international break might help us a little bit. It might help us get that that kind of um, euphoria out the system, um, and and settle down and get back, get 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 the mindset back to um, to obviously how it has been for the first three games. Um, but there's there's no doubt about it. This has to be, and of course we're not going to, you know, beat everyone six seven nil or two or whatever it's it's not it's not going to happen but there has to be this has to set some sort of standard of what 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 villa fans and the, the players should expect to themselves really as much as anything i'm sure it, it'll have a huge impact on their confidence um i mean it, 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 it's astonishing I, I i don't i'm sure they can't even believe it in, in many ways um I mean, what 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 do you think, Mark? Do you think do you think this will kickstart them on, or is this the peak? I, I, <laughs> no, I'm, I don't think it's the peak, but it, it's definitely going to be something to work at. Because um, you know, when you have a result like this, and th- this is the beautiful thing about sport, you just never know on a game to game basis, on any given night, any given time. You honestly just really don't know. Now, there's favorites and there's bookie odds and everything that that we keep an eye on as as supporters and fans of a game. You can look at all that all that and know who's favored and know who's not, who's in a poor run of form, know who's having a great run of form. You can put all those things into the bag, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the players on the pitch. Now, I think that Dino and his coaching staff now now has. It's it's kind of a it's it's a tale of, uh, it's a story of two parts really. Um, they're gonna have to let them know that hey, listen, this is this this is great. Let's you know we're not gonna go crazy, we're not gonna get too low on it. We gotta understand it's three points at the end of the day. If Villa would have scored fifteen goals in this game, they were still only walking away with three points. So for me, you now set a standard. You know how to play. You played some very attractive football. You you know you went out there and you did your job. You made. One, I mean, some people don't think so, but I, I happen to think so. I think Liverpool is one of the best teams in the entire world, even after coming off, you know, the season they had last season and people thought they'd drop off a little bit and they're not going to be in contention. I'm not believing that. I still think they're hungry. I think we just found them on a bad night. So it, this is very important for the coaching staff now to keep these players grounded, but also let them, you know, kind of float a little bit and understand that, you know, the the, the good performance you put in, it's it's now going to be magnified, and every poor performance you put in is going to be magnified. Um, he needs to just mentally prepare them to know that even if we do suffer a drop in form, people are always going to refer back to this point in the season. Um, I don't know if there's a, a, a larger scalp to be had other than Liverpool in the Premier League. Maybe Man City. It depends on, on which way you look between the Pep and, and Klopp you know, discussion that, that seems to be ever-present in the Premier League. But um, 
after after the game, Dean Smith looked absolutely over the moon. Maybe even over Jupiter after the game. He just he couldn't stop smiling. The way I, I kept seeing him smile, I was like, Dino, you're gonna bruise your cheeks, man. Just stuff like, you know, take take it a little easy. But oh, that's good you know, to the Billy Gaffer was Oh, it was great to see, man. He he was just in such a good bubbly mood. Um total total one eighty from what we saw after Stoke. You know, he just had that grimace on. He had that oh man, I don't he just, he looked like he was so beside himself after that Stoke result in the Carabao Cup. So it was really nice to see him smiling and completely lit up, and he's laughing and having you know having a giggle about some things. But you know he he was really complimentary about his squad. You know after the ninety minute affair at Villa Park, and he actually you know said himself, "We won't get complacent. The players will know how hard they have to work to get a performance and a result like that." I did say to them that things like this don't happen every day, so you do have to make the most of it as well. So we'll certainly enjoy the moment and be humble enough to know we were playing against an exceptional team today. Now, how good does it know that Dino himself knows of the importance of not getting too high or too low after uh, after a very, very positive result? His, his mantra since he came in has always been emotional control, hasn't it? So it, it's no surprise. And I think he would have been absolutely jumping inside last night. He would have been like one of the, you know, the, the fans on the Hulse end or, or, or us at home watching it. You know, he'd have been absolutely delighted um but he he went in front of the cameras and and yeah he was he was obviously very happy um but he he just talked very you know there was a lot of common sense about just the things that you've said about you know um you know get, getting back down to earth and it all being about hard work really one of the things that that I think came out of the team performance last night was the the, the running and the work that the, those guys put in for each other um, and we saw it at the end of last season as well. You know, we can pick out, you know, obviously the the, the new signings and Barkley and Grealish catch the eye. But you look at guys like Trezeguet, McGinn, David Luiz, that's David Luiz, Douglas Luiz. They 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 didn't stop. You know, and they were the focus and the concentration to to always be in the right place um, and do, and do the right things and and to try things was. Was incredible. I mean, Trezeguet just—he—he's got a, a Duracell battery, hasn't he? He's, he just—he just goes forever. Um, so yeah, I'm, I can't—I can't speak highly enough of Dean Smith. And I know some people, you know, don't fancy him as a as a Premier League manager, but he's—he's he's growing into it every single game that goes by for me. I, I completely agree with you, and I think you touched on a really, really important thing that, that we have to talk about. Um, it's, it's just the players, just the effort given in by the players. Now, you look at uh, like Tyrone Mings' performance against Liverpool. He was all over the pitch. There was even even a point in time where he was running down the right flank like a madman. There was another point in time where he was, he was so... Pushed, he was pushed so far up the pitch that a ball came to him right outside the 18-yard box, and he, he decided to try to cross it in for an on-running player. Um, you love to see things like that. Ezra Konza had a great game. Matty Target didn't look out of place. I think that was a massive bounce-back game for a player like Matt Target after you know people didn't have too many things to say about him in the opening couple games. Um, I just thought the the entire team played really well. I thought Louise was, was doing great things. He kept things really settled at the back. Trezeguet, you can't say enough about him, man. And I've been one of this guy's biggest, biggest critics, and I know that about myself. I was never trying to get down on him or you know anything like that. It wasn't ever personal. I just always thought there was something there. There was just another level to his game. And now that we're finally seeing it, I'm so, so happy about it. I hope that his form continues. I hope that, you know, that battery that you were talking about just keeps getting charged up before games. He just goes out there and leaves it all out there. Honestly, I, I couldn't be more happy with this result, but even more so just happy about the performance, how the players played. They felt like they were playing for each other and they were playing for Dean Smith and they were playing for the badge. It didn't seem like they were, you know, it's it just everything came together in such a way that, it's positive and it's definitely going to be something to look back on. And I don't, I don't know one Villa supporter that's not walking on sunshine today, Andy. Absolutely. I think we all, we all are. And the, obviously the reaction on social media, which is the only, the only reference point we really have um, for each other at the moment, but that's, that's, it's, it's just been buzzing all day, hasn't it? And, you know, even to the point where we'll talk about it in a bit, but the, the transfer deadline day is, has been really quiet for us. So, you know there was a, a bit of talk but no one's really bothered because i think we we know that we've got a we've got a good team you know and it's not about whether we can we can go on and 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 get into the 
the top four or top six or whatever. It's just about we've got a better team than last year. We're developing all the time. That the squad are, are working hard for each other and they're they're putting it in for the manager. Um, there's new ideas. There's new things happening. You know they're developing. You you can see it in the tactics. Last last year it was very much four three three. You know, and 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 quite kept it quite simple. This year, I think we're going to see what Dean Smith is all about as a coach, and and exactly what he can he can drag out of those players. Um, they just look look like they're they're getting better and better all the time. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I I think that this is definitely going to be a year that Dean Smith's able to put the season we had last year he's going to put that to use in a positive manner and he's going to look back on okay I got this one wrong I got this one wrong this is one to maybe keep in in my locker just in case I have to you know do something like this tactically um but yeah I I'm I'm thrilled with Dean Smith uh so far and I know the feel-good factor is massive right now so it may seem a little clouded but I mean it, it was always going to be a learning curve for everybody that came into the club. I don't think Dean Smith was immune to that. Uh, a lot of people don't recognize that. They say, oh, you're in the Premier League. You should automatically be a Premier League standard manager. But no, I think he grew in the one. I think he needed to have a season. I think a lot of these players needed to have a season like like last season to really, really get into it and know that, hey, like – you know, now we know the level we have to be at. And I think that was kind of a culmination of what you've seen against Liverpool. As much as I don't want to move away from being super, super happy about this game, we have to move on to other things going on in the Aston yeah. Villa world. Um, so now we get an international break, you know, and it arrives. And as of yesterday, it'll be 13 days of the international break until Aston Villa square off against their next opponent, Leicester City. Uh, the opinion seems to be split down the middle on this one. After the Liverpool game, you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but do you think the international break is, will help Villa settle themselves, or were, would you have preferred to just keep this momentum going, just keep the ball rolling? I think from a from a fan point of view, obviously you want to see the next Villa game, don't you? You want to see see us line up against Man, uh, against Leicester City next 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 Saturday or Sunday. Um, but I do think it's it's a good thing. I think it's actually. You know, it's it, it's good for the it'll be good for the players uh, who aren't on international duty to to maybe have a few days off, and then to come back, um, you know, and 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 perhaps enjoy being back at Bodymore Heath and 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 with the coaches and working on things, and for the players that are away, obviously the the, the two England lads and you know Jack and Tyrone Mings, they'll they'll um, you know they'll enjoy being with the England squad. You know, probably doing a bit of ribbing with uh, with the Liverpool players in that squad, and you know, obviously, you know, hopefully playing, hopefully playing for England and, and building their their profile and their their confidence even even more. You know, providing England do okay, but I think it'll do it'll do them good. I think to have a a bit of a buffer now between this game and 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 the next game, and it's it's an it's another really big really big test going to Leicester um you know so we we'll have to be right on our game and it might just give us the the necessary time to to simmer down and then build it back up again um ready to 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 kind of hit the ground um at the king power yeah, I, I absolutely agree, man. I, I agree with everything you said. I think I think the break's going to do them more good than maybe if we had another game three or four days down the line. You know, I, ju- I just think it gives them time to k- kind of get back to, you know, being grounded. And like you said, the internationals that won't be caught up, they'll be able to go to Baltimore, look at some film, see what they did right, see what they did wrong. You know, Liverpool's not the only team in the league that likes to play with a high defensive line. So maybe that's something to throw into a folder and say, like, hey, when we come across one of these teams, let's revisit what we did against Liverpool. Or this is what we did right. This is what we may have been able to do better. But you spoke about uh, the England camp. We all know that Jack Grealish and Tyra Mings have been recalled back into the England setup. So they got a friendly against Wales is coming up for the three Lions on Thursday, followed by two UEFA Nations League group matches against Belgium and Denmark. Now, with Aston Villa's form so far this season, and this is this is going to be something we're going to hear over the next probably 24 to 48 hours if you're not hearing it already, but do you think Mings and Grealish maybe deserve to start one, if not more, of these games? Yes, is the answer. I think with three games, I think it's it's perfect opportunity for for Southgate to to rotate the players. I'm sure there'll be Premier League managers um, all over, you know, just asking Southgate to, you know, don't don't play my players in all three, please. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard because obviously Southgate's got to pick the best team 
uh, he sees, you know. But I don't think you could, anyone can look at the start that that Grealish has had to this season and think anything other than than he has to play. And and equally with with Tyrone Mings, I mean the, the funny thing is he's probably not the outstanding Villa centre back at the moment, um, but I certainly think in that squad. If he's competing with Maguire, for example, I I don't know how you pick pick Maguire over over Tyro Mings. Um, I'm I'm not sure who else you would pick, but to me, for a left sided centre back, you know he's 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 the man at the moment, isn't he? He's he's the one who's showing. I mean, the the, the defending in the Premier League's been been pretty pretty abysmal, really. Um, apart from at Villa, probably I'd be I'd be picking both of them for at least one or two of the games. Um, I don't really want them to play more playing all three, if I'm honest. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I mean. What do you think? Do you think they've they've got a shout? I think they've got a shout. I think Grealish will start one of these games. I think he's proven it now. I think I don't know, man. Like the the more I see now, I have to preface this, which obviously. You know, I'm not from England. I, I don't, I'm not a th- big three Lions guy. I just, you know, it, it's tied to one of the loves of my life. So I, I keep a little bit of an eye on it. But for me, I think Tyra Mings at the moment right now, um, probably an obvious statement because we're all Villa fans. I think Tyra Mings is better than Harry Maguire. I think we've seen Harry Maguire kind of deteriorate. I don't know if it's the bright red light at United that's on his shoulders. I don't know if what maybe happened to him personally in in Greece maybe affected how he's playing, but maybe he just needs a little bit of a break. Maybe he can get himself out of that spotlight a little bit. I would like to see Tyra and Mings get the time on the pitch because I think Ty is a, a, a very, very good defender, obviously, but I'd like to see him be a really good footballer internationally too. I just think that's a good thing for Aston Villa as a football club with where we're trying to aspire to be to get back to being a concrete Premier League team. Um, you know, Villa Villa loves, you know, shipping players off to England whenever they warrant that. And I want to see that more going forward. I I think without sounding like completely out of my depth, this is a completely outsider's point of view. I think Southgate would be an absolute fool not to start Grealish for at least one of these games. Um, we don't know the, res- the restrictions Dino might ask for Southgate on his players, but I think you have to give it a shot. Now, I think you have to give him 90 minutes just to see if, if that form translates to the international game, especially with the UEFA Nations League you know, group matches. And let's be honest, for teams like Belgium and Denmark, England and Gareth Southgate should be able to beat those teams. Um, we don't know if that'll actually happen, but I, I think if you if you put players on the pitch that are in really good form, you obviously have a better chance of doing that. But we've seen, I, I mean, just again, outsiders' point of view, I've seen some really weird uh, decisions that that Gareth Southgate has made. But moving away from the international break, obviously we'll be watching that over the next week and a half. But um, the international transfer window slamming shut today, like we said, our our man Regan Foy is on the hunt for all kind of different rumors and seeing if there's anything going on in the Aston Villa camp. But we want to talk about Aston Villa and the additions they've made so far this season. Now, the, the additions of Ollie Watkins, Matty Cash, Emmy Martinez, Bertrand Traore, and now Ross Barkley on loan. And we didn't get a lot, of, a lot of time to talk about Barkley because he came in the door between episodes. So we're kind of going to talk now about him. But even after a performance, after what he showed against Liverpool... How are you feeling about Barkley coming to Aston Villa? And how do you think he's going to do this season? Do you think he's going to keep on that form? Do you like him in the middle of the pitch with John McGinn with, with Douglas Louise? Do you like the fact that he likes to get a little bit more forward, almost like in a 10 role? Talk to me about Barkley, man. What are you thinking? I've always rated Barkley. Um, he obviously dropped off the the scene a little bit at Everton, didn't he? And, and it was quite a strange move, I think, when he went to Chelsea. It was, it was a bit of an eyebrow raiser, if I remember rightly. Um, he came on leaps and bounds under under Sarri, probably one of the one of the few Chelsea players to really sort of flourish in in a sense under under Sarri. Um, he's had less time perhaps on the on the field under Lampard, and there's a lot of competition. And obviously Lampard loves Mason Mount almost as much as Gareth Southgate loves him. But I I, I think it's a really pleasing signing. Just from the point of view of that's the market we're shopping in now, you know, top top players at top four clubs, and all right, he's not. We're not signing a Chelsea first team player, maybe, or first pick, but 
he's certainly a player that's good enough to play for, for Chelsea and good enough to play in the top four. And he's played a lot for England. He scored about eight goals, I think, for England. Um, so that's the that's the market that we're we're in. And I think I said we were discussing it on the podcast last week about was would it be Barkley or Loftus Cheek? And I, I, I said then that it would be Barkley for me because he's he's an elite player. Um, and I had no idea. Obviously, the next morning after we recorded that, he was gonna he was gonna be announced. I'd I'd have preferred it to have been a, a permanent signing, but. You know, you, you take a player like that on loan that can elevate you to a point where you either end up signing him permanently, or you, you're in a position to, to to sign a better quality of player. You know, whatever the the outcome is, um, and I think it's a really savvy move. I think I think the midfield of him with with Douglas Louise and McGinn is is just it ticks all the boxes for me. Um, it allows either him and him and McGinn to play as, as number eights, or for McGinn to drop back a bit and, and Barkley to play more as a ten, more up alongside Grealish. It, he's just an all rounder. He's 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 got everything, and he gets around the field. He makes those lung busting runs from midfield, gets on the end of things. Looked like he he could have had a hat trick last night. It was a very impressive debut and he'd have absolutely loved that stuff in Liverpool so really pleased I mean what what, what do you what do you make of it all I, I'm I'm so shocked it's so strange seeing him in an Aston Villa kit like I, I don't know I've always looked at him as the kind of player to where when he made that move from Everton to Chelsea I I remember saying to a couple of my friends and just being like man that's that's a really good signing like Barkley's good. I've I've watched games that he played in before he went to Chelsea. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a Conte signing for Chelsea. I believe they signed him, and yes. then Con- Conte was out the door about six months later. Um, yeah. So I I think it just kind of all went wrong for Ross at Chelsea. I mean, it's never easy leaving your boyhood club, you know, first and foremost. But then if you actually look at the tri- the uh, contrast of styles on the pitch between a Conte and a Sari, I don't think that I don't I don't really think that Sari. He got the best out of him for sure, but I think Ross might have thought that he was he was playing in a little bit of a different position, or maybe there was going to be a little bit different things asked to him whenever that happens. Now it's, it's never easy playing for three coaches in, in the terms of a short amount of time, so I think that maybe he just thought like, what what the hell did I do? This didn't work out. This you know I'm, now I'm out of favor with Frank Frankie Lampard, and I don't know how I'm going to get my time on the pitch. So obviously Ross wanted to play. The thing that got me about his debut last night, he didn't look unfit. Even for a player that might have been like a little out of favor there, it, he didn't let himself drop out of fitness. He, you know, it, it, it's a, it's that old saying of you know when a player comes off the pitch at the end of the game, if, if the shirt's completely soaked, they put a good shift in. But you know, for Ross, it seemed like he really felt he he really felt into the game. Like you could see it. He he was just you know the chances that he scuffed, and yeah, he probably could have had you know a couple more goals himself last night with that with that poor Liverpool defense he was playing against. But you know, it, he he seemed genuinely hungrier to to right that wrong whenever whenever he had those couple and he, I I mean I, I don't think it's crazy to say that a couple sitters you know on those those two chances that he had in the first half I really think that he could have scored those I don't know if it was nerves or you know I think the second one is just kind of scuffed off his foot and there's not much you can do and that happens but I'm absolutely thrilled about this I would like to obviously there's a lot of season to go there's a lot of games to go things things are going to happen you know in the league and even I mean hell we still got the FA Cup to think about um so I, I just think I wouldn't be upset. I believe he turns 27 years old in December, Ross Barkley. I wouldn't be upset if Villa tried to place a bid in for him. But then again, with Frankie Lampard, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I don't think he'll get recalled in January or anything like that. But the fee's definitely going to go up. If Ross Barkley has a good uh, a good Aston Villa career while on loan, I think that that's just going to drive the transfer fee up. And not that Villa can't afford that, but it, it's definitely going to be something they're going to have to talk about internally. I think he's going to be a great player for us. I think it, it again, like you said, it ticks all the boxes. He's just relentless runner. I mean, he's not the paciest guy, but he's always trying out there. So I'm sold on Ross Barkley. And I know in the last pod, I said, you know, I would have preferred Ruben Loftus cheek, but uh, I think that game yesterday might've changed my mind a little bit. Well, absolutely. And, and I think another thing to say about Barkley um, is, is that he, he could tell that Grealish appreciated having him there as well. You know, we've seen so many times Grealish absolutely run himself into the ground 
you know, dragging the team forwards at times and, you know, looking absolutely shattered that, you know, there's there's he's like he's he's the only one that can, can do what he does. But now he's got another player who can also do those things that he does, whether it's carrying the ball or, you know, beating a man, having a shot, scoring a goal, being a being a, a free kick taker and a corner taker and a provider. Barkley's there as well to share the load and I think Grealish will appreciate that and he'll feel that, that that's a big step forward for the club and what he's been really wanting f- for the whole of last season really so no that's it's a really pleasing signing yeah I, I, I think so I, I think he's going to be he's going to fit right in I think it's it's a style of midfielder that Villa ultimately may have looked to bring in um, like on a permanent but like when you get a name like Ross Barkley in the door it's definitely not a bad thing um Obviously, with the transfer window going on, we've all heard the name Milo Rashica. We've heard it time and time again. But as as of now, as far as I know, at the time of recording, uh, he was set to move to Bayer Leverkusen. Um, he, st- he was going to stay in, Bund- in the Bundesliga. But it's been reported. I'm, I'm seeing conflicted reports. But as far as I know from my trusted sources, which aren't many, I'm not trying to act like I'm in the know or anything. Um, from what I know and what I've been told, they didn't get that deal across the line in time. So he he might be a, a word of Bremen player for a little bit longer. But do you think Villa get any players in the door before this window slams shut in a couple hours? To me, it seems like that the business is done, at least internationally. We might try to look domestically for maybe some stop gaps, but I, I, I think they're done. Do, do you think that there's anything anything going on on the international level before it slams shut tonight? No, I think, I think that's it now, isn't it, really? Um, the only... That was the only rumour, and obviously there were certain reports in Germany last night that he was he was very close to to coming to Villa. I just don't think it's ever been on the cards, or if it was, I think maybe it was it was him or Traore, and we went for Traore because you know Traore perhaps wasn't messing about waiting for waiting for other clubs. Um, so. I'm not too. I'm not too concerned about Rashica. I think as well. You're bringing in potentially a guy for fifteen, twenty million. Who? When? Where's he going to? Where's he going to play? He's he's not going to play instead of Grealish. He's not going to. Grealish isn't going to play in midfield instead of Barkley and and free up a spot in the front three. So, I I, I don't I don't see a place for him unless there's a lot of injuries. Or, or, or certain or, or drastic loss of form for someone, and certainly Trezeguet and and Traore are, you know, have got that that other position nailed down alongside Ollie Watkins. So maybe it's one we'll 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 look at, look at again in January or, or next summer. But I I I wouldn't be too unhappy if he if he if we announce him at eleven o'clock that he signed then. Then fine, but I, I I don't see him I don't see him coming in. Um, I, I, I don't I don't know what you think. No, I mean we we talked about it before we started recording the podcast, just because we we were having a look around to see if there are any new rumors or a link or maybe you know something out of Sky or anything like that. But for me, I'm right there with you, man. Because if you're going to pay 16 million dollars or around that fee, I don't know exactly how much they pay for him. I'm just thinking it's around there. So if it's around a 16 million pound fee, and you get get Rashidza in the door. I mean, after what we saw last night, you know, we still have Anwar El Ghazi that, that can come in and slot in in case of an injury and things like that. And like you just said, you're not going to move Jack Hermat on, on that left position into the midfield because then why are you paying for Ross Barkley to come in the door? I'm sure his, you know, the amount of money that Villa's paying on his wages isn't low. Let's be honest. We know Chelsea are a little bit shrewd businessmen. They're not going to let him just hang out for free. If they are, I'd be very, very surprised. Um, so like you're paying all this money and you have players in position where they've, they've, shown that they can play there um so like you i it sounds so harsh but why would you pay 15 million dollars for someone who's either just going to sit on the bench or clean boots at the end of a match and i i think villa's smarter than that i think villa's smarter with their finances now it, it and honestly like if they would get him in the door it would just it would seem like it would just seem desperate it would seem like they were just like oh the, the lights are still on at, you know at villa park you know one of one of those that old hat and i'm i'm not really i'm not 
I'm not happy with when, when things like that happen. But we also heard Dean Smith. He said it last night at his post-mass press conference with, with the local press that we're not going to stockpile players. If players are going to be here, they're going to have to buy into how we're doing things. And I, I just think that getting a player like Mila Rashid, so that, that, that's exactly what it would come off to me as. Where is he going to play? When is he going to play? And, you know, is the money really worth having a player like that coming around? And for me, not, none of those things re- really seem like that's how Aston Villa want to operate going forward. Um, you know, before we end, though, I think it would be a slight against all of Aston Villa humanity not to talk about the feel-good factor going on at Aston Villa. Uh, even the players, the staff, the supporters. On the last episode, me personally, I, I urge supporters not to let anyone tell you to not be excited over what's going on at Villa. And I think this result really compounded it. But um, for you personally, Andy, have you seen a change of attitude or pride in Aston Villa or even the Aston Villa camp supporters you may have known since the start of the season? Yeah, I think even before that, I think over the summer and and towards the end of the season, obviously staying up was was such a huge thing, particularly from the position we were in with with four games to go. It looked it looked pretty impossible, really. Um, and I think the the, the feel good factor has, has built from there. I think we most people are, are behind the manager. Most people are excited about the, the prospects. You know. The, these owners that we have, that you know, they're not they're not playing. They're 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 here for serious business. They want to make a go of this. They want to be in the Champions League eventually. Um, they're not going to pay spend all this money for nothing. So um, it is exciting. Um, I think it's going to be a, a bit of a journey. Uh, it might take a few years to get where we want to be. Um, but as for the the supporters, we just have to enjoy this. You know, so many times um, we've been a laughing stock. Um, you know, since O'Neill left, really the club was on a downward spiral. We, we and we we were we were the butt of a lot of jokes, particularly that last season in the Premier League. Um, then we've been obviously a, a bit of a target being in the Championship and being a, a bit irrelevant, really, in in terms of the. You know the 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 national football media, um, and even last season, you know we were relegation fodder, really, and people talking about Jack Grealish doesn't want to play for a you know a team like Villa. He can do a lot better than that. It, you know that sort of stuff gets to you and it it hurts a little bit. And now we've we've we, we, we it feels like we're coming through that. It feels like we've got past that a little bit. And one swallow doesn't make a summer, but I mean, that result last night was, you know, it's not just beating Liverpool, it's absolutely demolishing Liverpool and um, three games, three wins, second in the league, you know, it feels good. So we've got to enjoy this. Now we get the opportunity to, this is what we wanted and and we we have to get on board with it because... you know, I was, I was, I was, I was going to say, you know, that, that some of the coverage on Sky last night, it was all about obviously what what's gone wrong at Liverpool. It wasn't about necessarily how well Aston Villa had done to take them apart, because you've still got to go and score seven goals, however bad Liverpool are. So, you know, we're not going to get the credit we deserve unless we make something of this. It has to be part of a bit something bigger and something more progressive going forward and we have to we have to back it up um after the international break and you know go and, go and continue to put points on the board to keep ourselves out of the relegation picture keep ourselves in the top half of the table you know and 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 have a really positive season um and I'm sure we'll all be absolutely delighted come may you know if we if we are sat in the top half um I I, I certainly would be very happy I, I'm sure you would as well yeah, I'd, I'd be absolutely elated, man. Like, honestly, everything you just said, I don't think I could put anything else on that. I agree with you 100%. Everything you said, especially about um, just the commentators of, of media, of speed, of sports media outlets saying, what happened to Liverpool? What happened to Liverpool? And it's very, very rarely do you get someone say, like, oh, credit to Aston Villa. Here's how they beat Liverpool. This is what they did. Um, it, it's, it sickens me, to be honest. I don't like seeing that. But... I know that it's because of where Villa have been, and now we need to aspire, you know, higher than than where we have been, and I think Villa will do that. 
in, in, in due time. It will be a journey, like you said, um, but we'll get there. It's just a little bit, a little bit of patience, a lot of support, a lot of love that goes into making sure, you know, that, that you support your team as much as you can and as passionate as you can. But I, I think that's going to wrap things up for us. Thanks so much for listening to us, guys. We really, really do appreciate it. Next episode will be probably after the international break. We might get something in the mix of Jackie has like a wonderful hat trick against Denmark or something like that. We might try to <laughs> squeeze something in. But yeah. as, al- yeah. as always, thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Twitter at Villa Lamp on Facebook by searching for Under a Gaslit Lamp on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp and all kinds of articles and all kinds of just different opinion pieces and everything over at under a gaslit gaslightlamp.com for myself and Andy and the rest of our team. Thanks again for listening and up the villa. Hi guys, it's Regan here. I tasked myself today with following deadline day and really not much happened. That's the reason why I wasn't in this podcast recording. The only thing that really happened for Aston Villa is the termination or mutual termination rather of Oyen Nealand's contract which basically means that Aston Villa will have paid out the remaining wages on his deal or would have agreed a compensation deal with Oyen. Oyen was a major part of, of Villa's Carabao Cup final run last year um, and will now be a free agent and able to be picked up for free by any clubs that are interested. I think a, a move back to Germany is probably the most likely destination. I can't see him dropping to a level where it would mean he would return to Scandinavia or anything like that. So I think Germany, perhaps even in the German second division, may be a likely move. Um, you know, it, it is quite sad for Oyen. He improved a lot after his time uh, in the Championship. He was vital in us getting to the Carabao Cup, finally produced some outstanding saves. But with Emiliano Martinez in between the sticks currently, Tom Heaton returning from from injury, and uh, Jed Steer on a long term contract, you know, Oyen found himself a fourth place goalkeeper, and he's he's one he's not going to be happy being there, and the club aren't going to be happy having him at the at the club and earning a wage for for just training. Um, there's no news on uh, Lovre Kalinic or Henry Lansbury as I'm recording this. Um, it's unlikely that Henry Lansbury will move on until his contract ends because his wages are just so high. And other than that, uh, Lovray may be kept around. I know he he probably doesn't want to be at the club because of the Euros next year. He's going to be wanting to to push for a place with Croatia. But generally, um, I, I expect both of them to remain at the club for the foreseeable future.